This episode is supported by NC Idea. More on them later. Time is not a direct um, correlation to experience, expertise, proficiency, competence. I really want people to just be able to show up who they are and lead in what area is best for them. I'm fortunate at this point in my career that I love what I do. In fact, I probably do it too much because it doesn't seem like work. Hey everyone, welcome to Honey and Hustle. I am your host, Angela Hollowell, and today I am speaking with Ed Rass. He is the founder of Core AI, a new tech startup helping managers be more successful in their roles. In this episode, you will learn how to develop your own authentic leadership style. Thanks so much for joining us today. This podcast is free and will always be free and available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, Hey Time, you name it. While it's free for you to consume, it's not free for us to create. We pay our video editors, writers, production assistant, and operations manager for helping us make this show come to life. If you'd like to support us in making this show, please consider subscribing to our Substack community, using our affiliate links, or just simply sharing the show with someone who might enjoy it. All right, let's get into this conversation. I met you actually at Provident 1898 when you were doing a presentation about how to develop a better presentation. Yes. Not meta at all, actually. <laughs> very spot on, very helpful, very informative. Um, and it gave me a lot of ideas about how I can be better as a presenter okay. and be more engaging as a presenter. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your ethos and philosophy into making a really memorable presentation and why that's so important for business owners. Yeah. You know, I'll start by saying we've all been conditioned to have people talking at us and our most memorable engagements are those where we feel we're part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so that particular workshop that we run is really designed to help you think about what's happening in your audience's head mm -hmm. and what they've been exposed to and how do you stand out? Mm -hmm. And when we can do that, we can then make help make people more memorable, right? They remember the things that we say, and if we can get them to remember what we say, they're more likely to act on those things to say. Right. And so the real foundation there is to leverage what we know about human behavior, get away from the things that we know that we don't appreciate ourselves, right. and then draw people in so that they can take the specific action that we want them to take. When presenting, and for me, presenting means telling stories, mm -hmm. not just telling my stories, but also being a conduit for other people's stories, yes. right? Yeah. And I think that story in general is so big right now. Everybody wants to define what their story is because yes. they know that people remember stories mm -hmm. more than they remember data, more than they remember metrics, even if the metrics are compelling, Yes. right? Um, so it's about putting things into context for a lot of people. Um, in terms of, you know, when people may say, well, I don't plan on doing public speaking. I don't plan on making a presentation. Yet every time you meet someone, that's a presentation in and of itself. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you're working with small business owners, when you do, yeah. getting them in the mindset of understanding how presenting themselves, how presenting information and how presenting their stories can really help shape the foundation of their business. Yeah, I'll share a new tagline that you, we have for our Corey business, which is every conversation counts. Mm. 
right? It doesn't matter whether you're standing on stage in front of 3,000 people or you're having a one-on-one conversation like we're having here today, Mm -hmm. every conversation counts. Mm -hmm. And so again, if your goal is to stand out, to be memorable, Mm -hmm. to get people to take action, Mm -hmm. stories are a part of that. Mm -hmm. So then the challenge becomes, how do you help people develop the skills so that they're comfortable sharing those stories? And you probably remember this from the program, it's not something that you just do once and you automatically get, right? right? The goal is to practice, practice, practice. And with that practice, you become more comfortable. So it never feels like you're standing on a stage. It really feels like you're having a one-on-one conversation. Again, you probably remember this from the program, right? Mm -hmm. When you make eye communication, you're having a one-on-one conversation that just happened to be 2,999 <laughs> other people watching that conversation. Yeah. So that's the real goal. The goal is to help them become so comfortable that the stories they tell become ingrained in who they are and how they conduct themselves every day. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't matter if you're telling your story to a customer that walks in, mm-hmm. to a prospect that's just learning about your business, mm-hmm. and then now you're translating that same story over through your digital assets, mm-hmm. or if you're standing in front of a large audience, right, asking them to invest in the company you founded, your main idea, mm-hmm. you're comfortable telling that story in a way that engages them. So speaking of pitching, right? Yes. You have a business called Corei, which I'm so happy you introduced to the conversation. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Corei. I believe it to be um, a tool for people to become better managers, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Why is it important to be a better manager? Isn't it enough just to have, you know, be really skilled and talented? That's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough. Wow, that is a that's a good question. So. <laughs> First, I'll answer the question straight on. It is not enough. If you think about today's workforce and the shift that's happened in the workforce, um, we have a huge multi-generational workforce, right? Think from boomers, Zs, millennials, right? All the different learning styles that we have in that. We also have a multicultural workforce, right? So we all have different upbringings and an exposure to different things. And so leading the way that we used to lead is just not enough. Mm -hmm. And then you layer onto that what we've experienced in the last four years, right? Which was a snowstorm of its own. (laughs) You layer that into it. And now we have different expectations for our workplace. What I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do. What the business needs me to do, what my manager needs me to do. Mm -hmm. And so when you layer in all those pieces, it just really becomes this kaleidoscope that managers are now trying to figure out, what do I do in the situation? How do I actually get the most out of it? Mm-hmm. And so the answer is managers are often overtasked and overwhelmed and get very little support. I like to say organizations, some intentionally, some unintentionally, set managers up to fail. Mm-hmm. They take their highest performers and they promote them to people leader roles without ever preparing them to be a people leader. Mm. And so naturally, as a high performer, you get in the job, you feel really good about it, you're excited, you're ready to tackle it. So you spend 18 months of trial and error trying to figure out your team, the cadence, what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so Core AI is a conversations and analytics platform, and our approach is to not try to overwhelm the manager with all this learning stuff, mm-hmm. but to simply analyze the conversations that he, she, or they are having today and then provide them with insights on those conversations. Yeah. And by doing that, we help you realize some of the things that you're doing that are working. We help you identify some things that you may be doing that are not as effective as you'd hope they'd be. Mm-hmm. 
I think what has been the greatest challenge for me, especially when I first started, okay. was conversations. And it's not because I'd never talked to anybody before. That's obviously not nobody's experience <laughs> when they start a business. Yeah. But I didn't know, one, what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to ask certain people certain questions. Yes. And then I didn't know that I needed to create a system mm. for having better conversations. Yes. Right? Um, and so for people like me, like you, who are going into this role where maybe you start as a solopreneur, yeah. but you know you want to grow. Yes. Just as a solopreneur from one, growing from one client to maybe five clients, right? Yes. Let's just start there, selling one product to maybe 10 products. Yes. Let's start there, you know, or growing your team saying, okay, I've been doing it for a while, but now I want to have some help. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you approach kind of identifying what conversations people are not having. Because your conversation, you are identifying conversations they are having, yeah. but there's probably some conversations they should be having, but they're not. Yeah. And those conversations are usually the tough ones, mm -hmm. right? They're the conversations that make us as leaders uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And they could be as simple as getting to know their your employees, right? I'll never forget we were working with an organization, having a conversation with their leaders about the importance of emotional intelligence as a leader. And we were talking about empathy, which is just one characteristics of emotional intelligence. And we said, when is the last time you picked up the phone and called someone on your team and led with these three words, how are you? And then no matter where they go, because when most people hear that, we're inclined to think about the business. This is an update, right? <laughs> and we start talking about those business factors. But then being able to, as a leader, get them back to the point where you just say, hang on for a minute, Angela. Right. right. How are you? Not the business, not your clients, not the territory, none of those things. Mm -hmm. I want to know how you are doing. Mm -hmm. And we had, it was a diverse audience for global, uh, global leaders. And it was interesting to hear how people responded to such a question. And I remember one leader raised her hand and she said, we're running a mile a minute, right? Like, I do want to know how they're doing, but like, I'm afraid that I'm going to get things that fall out of, outside of my role. Mm. And then we had a, a really robust conversation around, well, What's what falls role? outside of your role? <laughs> What's right? your role here? <laughs> like, your role as a leader is to provide psych psychological safety for your team members, mm -hmm. is to make sure that you understand their goals and their needs, and you can create alignment between those things and the business's goals and needs. Mm. And so if I can't show up as my authentic self to work, the goal that you have identified for the business is at risk. So it goes back to really understanding how to have those tough conversations. And our approach to that is to provide people with frameworks. Mm -hmm. um, just to, how do you get that conversation started from a simple conversation starter guide to what happens when there's a personal matter that becomes part of a business you know, situation mm -hmm. that you need to handle? Mm -hmm. What do you do? What are some ideas and strategies about it? And I like to tell folks, it's never about right or wrong. It's about what is most appropriate at that time. Mm. And so again, our focus is not to say that we've solved it, we've got the playbook that's gonna answer the questions, but we do like to give leaders strategies that they can evaluate to determine how they use them. And then tying that back to core, 
Over time, after analyzing a series of these conversations, we then start to highlight which conversations are most effective, but here's the part that I love. Mm -hmm. What's most effective about that conversation? And so now as a leader, I know where I can focus on, I know what, what I'm having the most effect on, and then that allows me to practice those skills, as we said earlier today, so that I get better and better over time. Tough conversations making you uncomfortable. Let's talk about the next step beyond making you uncomfortable, sure. doing things that make you uncomfortable. Yes. Right. So I think, you know, as we have now, like you said, within these last couple of years, really re revamped and refined what we feel it means to have a healthy relationship with work yes. and a healthy relationship with our coworkers. And I think that now people are realizing things that they didn't want to do before, mm -hmm. like um, allow people to have maternity leave. Yes like maybe consider a four day work week, like maybe reevaluate if people need to come into an office, yes. if a hybrid or remote situation would be better, yes. um, evaluate flexible pay time off. Mm -hmm. All these things that are redefining how we view what is a healthy and desirable workplace for people who may be moving jobs or considering staying at their current job. Um, I think all of those things are applicable to small business owners for the exact reason that you are now creating a work culture and it is you are you are the start now right yes. you're not coming into some corporate some organization that has a defined work culture you are now the orchestrator of that culture now at your place even if you're working with subcontractors even if you're working with part-time employees it's up to you how these people feel right yes. and what you deem to be acceptable and healthy in that workplace um, so for people who, again, when you're a small business owner, money is tight and you're like, I, I don't know if I have the money to pay somebody for my turn to leave. I don't know if I have the money to pay somebody for paid time off. Right. But the reality is people work better and more efficiently and are able to focus better when they don't have the stress of worrying about if they will have a life outside of work. Yes. Right. So talk to me about helping people push past those tough conversations and doing the tough things as a result of those tough conversations. Yeah. To do the tough things, you have to have the tough conversations, right? Mm -hmm. they, they go hand in hand. And for me, as a business owner, one of the things that I like to do whenever we're partnering with someone new is I ask this classic question. Money aside, tell me something that you would do regardless of how much you're compensated for. Mm -hmm. And then that allows that person to you to drive and talk about the things that they're excited about. It may be a dad who says, I love being able to drive my kids to their practice every week mm -hmm. when I'm not on the road. Like I spend so much time away from my family. Like that brings me joy to pick up food for my kids, to get them from school to practice, watch their practice, whatever it might be. Well, as a business owner, I'm thinking about those things and trying to figure out how do they fit into our team. Mm -hmm. So is this a role where we can offer that person that type of flexibility that they can do what they're excellent at, but still do the things that bring them joy? Mm -hmm. And when we can create that type of environment, we start to get around some of these rules that we've created of running a business, of everybody must be on their computer. We must be able to see they have some type of activity. Is their mouth, <laughs> mouth moving? Are they typing on the keys, right? Yeah. We get away from that and we start thinking about what is it that we want them to do? Mm -hmm. And so I like to tell my team, when we agree on a task, I don't have a preference how you get it done. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep communication about where we are and is it getting done? Right. So if we agree on a Friday timeline, you can do it today. 
You can spread it out across the week. You can stay up until midnight, right, and do it on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. But if our agreement was that on Friday, we were going to hand something over to a client, I want to be able to honor that agreement. Correct. And it's that type of flexibility that is, number one, it's, you know, everything we experienced in the last four years, it's really helping us realize that I deserve that type of flexibility as a professional. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to look for places, organizations that provide me with that type of flexibility to do the work that I love, but still have the flexibility to do other things that are more important, that are equally important to me outside of the confines of that role. Mm -hmm. So to get there, the the real thing is you've got to have the conversations to understand it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to be willing to push back against the status quo. And that's not that's not something that we've all been trained to do. Culturally, we haven't been trained to do it. Uh-uh. And so when you start talking about pushing back against an existing system, it takes things like authenticity. You need to be brave. You need to have a system. But in the environment that you're in, they also have to show some level of openness to that. And what I tell folks right away is there are clients that I'm excited to work with there are clients that I can spot that is not a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. And that I can tell that by the way they interact. And oftentimes, because of the line of work that we're in, it's often the way that they talk about their leaders and mm-hmm. either gaps or strengths that those leaders have. Mm-hmm. So if they say things like, our managers don't do, our managers aren't doing, mm-hmm. I can quickly tell that that's an environment where their expectation for the managers are probably misaligned. Mm-hmm. When I hear that we haven't, provided our managers with. Mm. This is an opportunity to, those are the keywords that align better to our branding. Mm -hmm. So doing tough things requires the tough conversations that often make us uncomfortable. But the more often we do it, the more preparation we put into preparing for that conversation and the more openness and authenticity that we can offer, it allows those conversations to flourish. This conversation is getting good, and trust me, it's only going to get better. But before we go on, I wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor, NCIDEA. NCIDEA is an independent, private foundation whose vision is to help North Carolinians achieve their entrepreneurial ambition to start and grow high-potential companies. They have grants, workshops, and an annual summit, all to help advance entrepreneurship and promote equitable economic development. To learn more and apply for grant funding, visit their website at the link in the description or head to ncidea.org. All right, let's get back into this conversation. So let's switch gears for a second to talk about core AI, right? And I don't want to blow up your spot, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I know you've had some hard time raising money for core AI. Talk to me about that. Yeah. The landscape for raising money is tough, and it's always been tough for black founders especially, and other minorities. Mm -hmm. That's always been table stakes. Mm -hmm. And one of my mentors, um, super successful, we have uh, monthly meetings, and oftentimes he'll remind me that there are folks that just don't care. Mm. You know, too often when raising money as a black founder, um, people like to talk about what is what we deserve. That doesn't fit well for everyone because there's a 
group of, or there's a population of folks that don't believe anyone deserves anything. It's what you earn. Mm -hmm. And so that makes that very, very challenging to raise money in that sense. We've been super fortunate to be able to tell our story in a way that inspires people. And our angel investors have been phenomenal for us. Great. Um, we, we have a success that you know, I'll share here. It's not public yet until this series. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> um, we had a, a, a potential client that engaged with us, they were so inspired that w- by what we were doing, this individual went out and gathered eight other angel investors mm-hmm. and came back to us and said, we all wanna invest, we wanna do it as a group. Like, mm-hmm. we think you're the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it caused a little bit of a challenge because this was a prospective customer, so now you have to think about the mm-hmm. conflict of interest. Right. Um, so we decided that at this stage, we'd rather have them as investors and advisors okay. versus customers. Mm. The good news is we have some other customers lined up, so it didn't hurt us. And doing this right, we can then disclose that they are an investor and still gain them as a customer. But it's that type of um, strategy that we put in place over traditional because of some of the challenges. And certainly today's market hasn't helped um, with the uncertainties around the market. People have taken more of a a watch and see approach. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that certainly, hurt, again, hurt black founders, founders of color, other minority groups. Um, and so we've been really fortunate to leverage our angel network, continue to do and invest our time in areas that we feel are reciprocal. And then earlier this year, we were super fortunate to partner with Generator 8 and Northwestern mm-hmm. Mutual. Nice. Northwestern Mutual is a Fortune 90 company and uh, they made a significant investment in what we're building. And so it forced us to be a bit more strategic to think about who's a great partner for us because our vision is long-term. And and again, we want those that win with us, we want them to be true partners in this. So it has been tough, it's forced us to think about it, um, but that's what we do as founders, right? We're Mm -hmm. we're problem solvers. Mm -hmm. We're used to walking into a situation and having to figure out, you know, what do we do to make the best of it? Um, so you talked about kind of weighing the pros and cons between having an investor, an advisor versus a customer, right? Yes. And I'm assuming, and I could be assuming very wrongly, that having this person as, an, as a customer would have been kind of a cycled uh, relationship versus an investor-advisor situation for someone you know is willing to go to bat for you mm-hmm. would be a more long-term kind of success story for you guys. Because if they're willing to go to bat for you now, Yes. Imagine how it's going to be when you start growing, yes. right? You know, yes. so they're going to be singing your praises to the to the mountaintops, right? Yes. Um, and I think for me, going back to when I said there are conversations that I didn't have the confidence to have, mm. one of those conversations was asking people for reviews and asking for people to share my work. Yeah. When I first started, because I felt like, and this is probably a limiting belief, mm. but I felt like if my work was good enough, people would share it anyway. Yeah. If I gave a great enough customer experience, people would talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply not the case. I think sometimes you really need to know how to ask for a review in the way that you need to be reviewed, maybe. Yes. Uh, you need to know how to ask people to share your work in the way that you want your work to be shared and presented. Um, and that can be you know, word of mouth to me. And I work in marketing, digital marketing, like word of mouth is still king, yes. right? And so you need to know how to leverage that effectively. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how you have gone about having conversations with your angel investors about this is how we talk about core AI. 
This yeah. is what we want people to know about our business. Yeah. And these are the type of people that we're trying to attract. Yes. You know, ironically, it comes back to storytelling. Mm -hmm. When we first started with CORE, because we were super excited, so CORE started in 2021, we were ahead of the AI that people know today. Mm -hmm. And so it was very novel. And people really wanted to get an understanding of what we were building and why we were going in that direction. And at the time, I prob I definitely leaned with, or led, excuse me, with stories that were more about the technology. Mm. What this awesome new technology would mean to you know, leaders within organizations. And what I found over time is that while that is still true, people really wanna know the story. Mm. And so today, we lead with the story of a mentor who I encountered who literally shifted my trajectory in my career. Mm. And her name is Connie. Mm. And so I tell the Connie story about how we had this interaction and she saw something in me that I had yet to see in myself. And she you know, sent me a, an email that we call the Dear Tiger story. <laughs> and she tells in this email like, Ed, you've been great in these other areas of business, but I see something really special. And I'm gonna challenge you to allow yourself to pursue this thing. Mm. But I'm also gonna offer you support. I would like to partner with you. And if there's anything that I can do to help you get there, count me in. Mm. And Angela, behind the scenes, she wrote emails, she endorsed me, she took money from her budget and applied it to my development. Mm. And she was not my one-over-one -one manager. And quite honestly, at the time, my one-over-one -one manager was not as supportive as mm -hmm. this other person, as Connie was. And so that is the story that we lead with. And most people can think back to a coach, a mentor, or someone that they've encountered in their life who was their Connie, who was that person that saw something in them that they had yet to see in themselves. Mm -hmm. And because of that belief, it allowed them to go on and achieve right? Mm -hmm. Something, many things, whatever those things are. Mm -hmm. And so that, that to me is the real difference of what we're doing with CORE is yes, the technology side is awesome. One of my colleagues, Dr. Berry often says, we're humanizing technology mm -hmm. through our platform, but it's really wrapped around that human element. So we lead with stories about those interactions versus leading with the technical side of it. Now, when it's time for technical conversations, <laughs> our team has the chops to dig into the technical side of it, but we really lead with that. Mm -hmm. And that's made all the difference for us. Quite honestly, I believe to this day, it was the thing that allowed us to move forward with the Generator Accelerator sponsored by Northwestern Mutual. It was our ability to deliver that story and help them envision what the world will look like when we can help people find their Connie. Mm. So Connie, to me, sounds like a sponsor. Right, and there's a difference between a sponsor and a mentor, and mm -hmm. there's definitely a difference between a sponsor and a manager, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, what I've come to understand a sponsor is, is someone who is willing to go to bat for you, mm -hmm. not just advise you, not just, you know, listen to your story, yeah. tell you it sounds good, tell you they hope, wish for the best for you, but are doing nothing to help you achieve those things, right? right. And I think so often we search for mentors, somebody to just tell us what to do, right? Mm -hmm. Someone to advise us, someone to share their story with us, right? Yeah. But not necessarily see the parts in us that we don't share necessarily. 
which is what she saw in you. Talk to me a little bit about how you at Coria and just you as a person differentiate between someone who is a manager, mm-hmm. a good manager, maybe at yeah. best, and someone who is a sponsor, someone who is willing to go to bat for their employees and their workers. Yeah. Again, I'll start with the managers and say managers are overtasked, mm-hmm. right? They're often just trying to keep their head above the swim line mm-hmm. so that they can help their team. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, oftentimes, because they are treading water, they really don't have the bandwidth to be as resourceful and helpful as we want them to be, mm-hmm. right? When I start thinking about sponsors, Sponsors are usually those people who have mastered managing others. Mm. I really think of them as your people leaders. And those sponsors can see what's coming around the curve before we get there. Mm -hmm. And they're out front moving the hurdles before we get there so that when we come around the corner, it seems as if the path is clear. Connie was definitely a sponsor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of her as my confidant. <laughs> she was the person that I could call or email anytime anything was going on in the business that I needed help with or needed some guidance on. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't have to be specific to me. Um, and in fact, I'll tell you another cool story. Um, I recently reconnected with Connie mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation with her. And I said, you know, it's been so long. I would love to catch up. You know, how are things going? And we had a conversation and she's she said something that just reminds me of the type of leader she is. Mm -hmm. And she said, number one, I transitioned out of my role because the organization was going through some restructuring. And I thought about the team members on my team who would be impacted by this change. And I decided that it wasn't fair for me to stay and for someone who's just starting a family, just starting a career, to lose that opportunity, mm. right? And like to this day, like still gives me goosebumps. And then when I was talking to her specifically about my relationship with her and I thanked her for all that she's done, she said, you know, Ed, I, I didn't do anything other than pick up the mirror that was right beside you and hold it up so you can see yourself, mm. right? Like think mm. about, visualize that. It's like this mirror is right beside your chair you just needed someone to pick it up and allow you to see who you are yeah. and appreciate yourself for who you are. Yeah. The humility, right? And again, I can tell you stories uh, about things that I wanted to do. Um, one, is spe- one specifically, I wanted to get a certification when I was within the organization. My direct manager was not supportive of it. Mm-hmm. And Connie said, I know the organization. I will cover the cost. Mm-hmm for you to get the certification. Go ahead and sign up, send an email to this person and we'll take care of it. And it was done. Yeah. Where, you know, my manager wanted a business case, <laughs> wanted me to justify the cost, mm-hmm. how would I keep my projects on task while I was away, right? Like all of those things where someone who just believed in me said, "I know you'll figure out the rest of those things." Right. I got it. Yeah. Let's go do it. Yeah. So again, when I go back to the difference between a manager, a mentor, a sponsor, it's the level of commitment. It's also their experience, which does not always equate to tenure or years. Mm. It's their lived experience. And that can come at any age and at any point. Yes. Thank you for 
reducing the ageism in there. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't get me on that bandwagon. I, I hear it all the time. In fact, we just had a situation where someone said, I've been doing this for 40 years. I know what I'm doing. And I said, that's potentially the most dangerous statement I've heard you make. Mm. Because time is not, it is not a direct um, correlation to experience, mm-hmm. expertise, mm-hmm. proficiency, competence, yeah. right? It's none of those things. Time mm-hmm. is time. Yeah. You could be a brand new manager or leader who've been through things in life that understand how to be empathetic, also hold people accountable, right? Mm-hmm. And drive high performance. All those things can exist and it does not have to be bound to time in a role. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, before I let you get out of here, yes. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Let's I do. think you can answer them. All right. You're only going to do like five. It's, okay. gonna, it's not going to, it's not going to go there. Okay. Without saying core AI. Without saying core AI. What is your favorite tool or business resource that you find yourself constantly recommending? That is a great question. I'm going to say it is one of the outsourced platforms because as a, Small business, as you know, yeah. you need lots of things and lots of good people. <laughs> yeah. And so um, for me, it would be an outsourced resource where I know we can find top talent, okay. find them, and they're proficient at what they do, which saves me. As a matter of fact, just this weekend, <laughs> I had, my plate was full. I had some stuff that I needed to get done for today. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to this source and said, hey, I'm on a tight timeline. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, my contact was traveling. He said, I'll be in the office in six hours. If you can wait six hours, I'll knock it out. I woke up this morning and the presentation is ready for a three o'clock meeting. <laughs> yeah. So it is definitely the power of building a network of folks mm-hmm. um, and having people that were referred to you or that have been vetted that you know you can rely on. Okay, follow-up question to this rapid fire question. Yeah. What was the first thing that you outsourced? First thing that I outsourced, writing. Okay, there it is. Um, what painful business experience are you most grateful for? Learning how to fire wrong customers. I'll take that. It's turning your favorite question back on you. Uh Uh-oh. If you didn't have to make money, how would you spend your days? Doing what I do today. I'm I'm fortunate at this point in my career that I love what I do. In fact, I probably do it too much because it doesn't (laughs) seem like work. Uh, Two weeks ago, I promised a good friend that I was not going to work over the long weekend because I had posted something on LinkedIn that had gotten pretty good traction. And he read it, which I was (laughs) I was very impressed by. And he sent me a note on Friday and he said, you're not going to work this weekend because I saw your LinkedIn post. And I said, you have my word. I will not work this weekend. And let me tell you, I was giving myself fits on Saturday. I struggled terribly on Sunday and Monday I fell off the wagon. (laughs) I must admit, I fell off the wagon on Monday and I got some work done. But honestly, I I love what I do. I love helping leaders figure out how do they show up in a way that inspires their team to do great things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll let you slide with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Describe your brand. It could be your personal brand. It could be Core AI. Describe your brand in three words. Authentic leadership. Okay, so two words it is. I'm Got stuck it. on two. I'm stuck on two. Yeah, I'm stuck on two. I, I really want people to just be able to show up who yeah. they are yeah. and lead in what area is best for them. Okay. 
I can respect that. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. I really appreciate you coming through. Super excited for you and what is next for Core AI. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. That's all for today's episode. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can subscribe to our paid membership on Substack to get exclusive content like outtakes, bloopers, after show thoughts, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on your app of choice or like this video on YouTube. We'll catch you in the next episode.